Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. Um, we are on episode 92, if last week's wasn't episode 92 and this is episode 93. Um, this is really the most professionally run podcast you've ever listened to in your life. Um, but no, th- to be fair, I actually, I prefer it not to be like professional and like cut and edited and fancy music Um before you actually, I'm, to be fair, I'm wanting a jingle. That's one of my. That's one of my things I want. I want some sort of little intro music, um, just to make it. You know, I don't know. I, I want to find an intro music, but I'm also not sure how to do that. So I'll, if anyone knows how to do that, um, then give me a shout because I'd like to. I'd like to put something in there. Um, first and foremost, I'll get this bit out of the way because I know this is the bit that nobody likes. It's well, to be fair, everyone likes Johnny Smith and everyone likes Colin M. Smith's. Um, so they're our sponsor, still our sponsor for this year. Um, and it is a local electrical electrical kitchen appliances store in Forfar, Kerry Muir, and Arbroath. And the last time I said there was one in Breaking and Dundee, but there's there's apparently not. I don't know where I got that from. But yeah, if you're needing a new washing machine, a new dishwasher, a new TV, that is the place to go. Um, there you go. I've sold my soul. Um, so, what's new? What's new? I've been doing this at the start of podcasts lately, just basically saying what's new in within like the programming within, I suppose, my life. Because apparently people care. I did do a poll, and apparently people care. I'm not just saying this because I want you to know what's going on in my life. But I've been doing. A kind of like a little challenge at the start of the year with some of my clients. And it's a challenge. You've Maybe you've heard of 75 hard. Um, we're doing a kind of diluted version of it that's not quite as extreme. Now, the original 75 hard, uh, you do two 45-minute workouts a day. You drink two gallons of water. I can't even remember how much that is in litres. Uh, you need to read 10 pages of a book. You can't like eat anything unhealthy, um, which again is very much up for discussion as to what is healthy and unhealthy. Um, that's another part that I don't really like. You're not allowed any like cheat meals or whatever you want to call them. Um, so we're doing a diluted version of that, which involves a few different habits. So it's no alcohol. It's 10 pages of a book, which is totally fine. It's journal. Um, it's like three positive things, three kind of negative constructive things, um, two liters of water plus a day, or is it three liters? I can't, yes, I think it's three liters. No, it's two, it's two, two, two liters plus or three liters plus. I can't actually remember that terrible. Um, hence why I probably missed it yesterday and had to do. So basically what we've got is so like, rather than being perfect and it's like, if you miss it, you're out. It's like, you need to do a hundred calories on the Stairmaster, the air bike, the rowing machine or the ski arc. If you miss a, if you miss a habit and then if you miss a habit a second time or you miss two habits, you then add another 10 to that target. So the more that you miss the target, the more calories you need to do as like, it's not a punishment. I don't want to call it a punishment, but it's like a do the crime, do the time type thing. Um, And usually in the past, I would have completely like been against these things because I think it's too extreme and I think it's too this and it's too that. But when I actually began to think about it, I was like, what's the harm? Like, if you opt in yourself and you want to do this and you want to create a little bit more discipline and structure within your life with some pretty harmless habits, like what's actually wrong with not drinking for 75 days? What's actually wrong with journaling? What's actually wrong with drinking a bit more water? What's wrong with, sorry, the other one is you do a 45 minute workout every single day, but that can also include a walk. By forcing those habits, like there's 
yeah, I don't see any problem with that. I don't know. I've had a couple of comments or conversations that people have had about what we're doing. Like just, you know, like I speak to my clients and they're like, oh, speaking to this person about work and they were like, why the fuck are you doing that? That sounds ridiculous. What's ridiculous about it? Like in in my opinion, this is just a little rant that I'm going, that I'm going on. Anyway, what I have found from doing this, especially the no alcohol thing, like the no alcohol thing, the more water, you just I'm just sleeping better. I'm more focused. I feel more creative. I feel more, I think the word is, more optimistic about everything like this could be a very stressful month and it has been a like in terms of the workload a stressful start to the month and, and there's been a lot to do but I felt like so focused and so on it and so just switched on um, and yeah I don't see that why that's not a bad thing the only thing that I've got that's a problem right now is my left knee swollen up and I've got a sore shoulder um, I think it's from playing five sides that my knee's swollen up. That's the only problem. So a couple of ibuprofen, try and get the inflammation down. Um, but then I've got football training again tonight and then I'm going to be playing five sides tomorrow. So that may need to get pied. Um, but yeah, generally everything is on point just now and looking good, starting to fill up the spare room with baby stuff. And that is becoming more real and real and real as the days go on. And something that I... I'm really kind of, I want to do, or I want to prove to myself and I want to be able to help other people with is like, how do you, how do you structure your life and how, how do you structure your life sleep deprived? How do you still do fitness when you have a newborn? Like how, how do you do that? I'm going to, I'm going to try and figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to fuck about and try and figure it out. It ain't going to be easy because I am a right old fucker when I'm sleep deprived. Um, I'm not a fucker. I'm just find it very hard to focus very hard to do what I usually do because I think because I think what I usually do is quite full-on that like when I haven't had the best sleep I do find it hard so that's going to be a whole new challenge and I'm sure there'll be some parents listening to this saying strap in boy because it's going to be a fucking uh, a, a fucking ride um but anyway enough about kind of what's been going on um and on to the topic of this podcast today and the podcast I called it a couple of different things. And as you know, with podcasts and Instagram posts, you need to you need to create a hook. You need to get someone to read the title and then go, oh, I want to listen to that. And it's actually, it's it's a it's a fine art. It's a fine art because if I just wrote mental health podcast, you'd probably click on that and go, fuck, I'm not listening to that. That was going to be boring as shit. Um, however, if I call it why this country's mental health is worse than ever, you're probably like, oh my God, like, oh God, like what's what's going on here? What's happening? So that's, that's I'm going to shamelessly admit that that's a hook um, to make it sound a little bit more interesting. Then mental health, I suppose the topic of mental health is important and it is, it's not like the most sexy thing in the world, but it's something that I think a lot of you can benefit from, regardless if you suffer with bad mental health or have done in the past, poor mental health. Um, I'm going to try and look, I, I always, I'm very careful when I speak about this because I am not an expert and I just want to reiterate that time and time again. I am not an expert. I'm not trying to fix mental health. I'm not trying to cure depression in the UK I am not trying to be that guy because I am not qualified to be that guy and um, what I am trying to do is I'm trying to bridge a gap between guy girl round about my age suffering with poor mental health doesn't really understand it doesn't know why they're feeling that way 
I'm trying to bridge the gap between that to understanding it a little bit better, understanding how fitness and nutrition and all that sort of stuff can benefit it, um, and bridging that gap between I don't even understand what's going on here, how can I speak to someone, to I understand a little bit more what's going on here, let me then go and speak to someone. Does that make sense? So like, I always feel like there's such a disparity between understanding your mental health and then going to speak to someone because I think if you can understand it a little bit better, you'll understand why speaking to a therapist, understand why speaking to your doctor, your GP, an expert in the field, I think it'll help you understand why you could get, why getting to that point will be beneficial for you. Um, And the reason I speak about this is because I know for a fact three to four years ago, before I met Ellie, before I started doing this business thing, again, COVID's got a lot to, lot to kind of, um, a lot to answer for when it comes to a lot of the problems that are going on just now in the world. Speak about that a little bit as well. Um, I know I did not understand the way my brain was operating. Like I didn't understand what was going on there. I didn't understand why it was that I was confused, struggling. And again, I'm not, I, I'm not putting any label on it because I've never put a label on it. And if you've heard me speak about this before is that, I don't know if my, I don't know, it was hard to say, like, I didn't understand mental health back then. It's even hard for me in hindsight to understand how I was feeling. I felt unfulfilled. I felt hopeless. I felt like there was no way forward. What what the fuck do I do? Like, what am I even doing with my life? I felt like the only life that I could enjoy was in Australia and I couldn't go back there. I felt like I was destined for a life of misery and forfar. I didn't have a, a job that I enjoyed. I hated it. W- woke up every day with dread. Um, I didn't really want to get out of my bed, but the only thing that kept me going was going to the gym, was going to the gym, running fitness, challenging myself, knowing that I was meant for a little bit more than I was, but didn't know how to get there. And if I had someone or something to help me understand those feelings that little bit better back then, then I think I would have, I would have navigated that in a slightly better way, but I'm grateful for the way that it went because I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today had I not been through that whole period of struggle and um I like seeing in COVID was probably the hardest point as well because like you're just like sat on your arse doing next to nothing I'll tell you what I did during COVID I literally rinse and repeat every single day woke up in the morning ate a fucking the biggest bowl of Weetabix chocolate minis you've ever seen in your life with a, with a protein shake. And I just got into this like weird habit of doing that every single morning. And it was, it was like, it was like a comfort blanket. I knew it was like 1,300 calories for the bowl, which I'm not even underestimating. I'm not even like exaggerating. That's how much was in that. That would be my little comfort blanket waking up in the morning. I go for a wee walk. I then go around to my pal's gym that he had like a 10 minute walk from my mom and dad's house. And then I just kick about with a dog all day. Did a little bit of uni work in there as well, but absolutely winged to uni. Uh, see, last year I was so lucky that COVID, I was actually, I probably wouldn't have had my degree had it not been for COVID. I literally had a multiple choice um, thing on the laptop to do all my final exams and literally just had to go, I had Google in one hand and then I had, by the way, um, if my uni lecturers are are listening here, um, just turn off now. Um, I don't know if you can retract degrees for cheating, but anyway. Uh, I've got it sitting behind me as well, <laughs> proud as punch. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it was like a multiple choice, like to just pick my degree and literally just got fucking full marks on everything because I Googled everything. I was like, oh, well, cheers for the degree, guys. Catch you later. Um, I'll take that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, <clears throat> just kind of, yeah, just felt unfulfilled, felt like, felt like probably like most people did in COVID, like a lot of people struggled during COVID. And 
think what we found is there's almost been like this this lag with COVID. Like, you know how we 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 had COVID, we got out the back of it, everything was super fun again. Like we're going out again, we were just doing what we wanted to do. And then there's kind of been this lag of like a couple of years where like we did enjoy that time, but now we're kind of sat thinking, fuck, what's ne- what's next? Like that, okay, COVID's done. Now back to the real world. Like there's not touch wood, there's not any well, there is COVID still going about, but you know what I mean? There's not the same controls as there was. Um, and we're kind of back to normal life again. And a lot of us have maybe just sat and went, right, fuck, COVID is long gone. Like, what am I still fucking about for? And I think a lot of people took the habits that they picked up in COVID, um, took the the way that they were treating themselves, treating their bodies, treating their minds in COVID and have let that leak into their life and maybe still feel out of shape, maybe still feel like they're struggling off the back of COVID. I know so many people that are, and it's just, it, honestly, it seems like a distant memory now, but it really wasn't that long ago. So why is this country's mental health worse than it's ever been? And that's not just, I'm not just plucked out of the sky. That is, that is how it is. Mental health is in a pretty bad spot due to various different things. But then I suppose like understanding what mental health actually is, is pretty important. So like generic um, definition here from the internet, which I felt out of reading a few of them was the best one. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel and act. It also helps us determine how we handle stress, relate to others and make healthy choices. Um, And this kind of little second point, mental health is important at every stage of life from childhood to adolescence through to adulthood. Um, Everyone has mental health. It's not just like, oh, you've got mental health, mate, you you must be struggling. No, no, everyone has mental health. Like it is a thing that lives within us. Like, and you either, it's almost like a sliding scale, I suppose. Um, And it can be on a sliding scale on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, um, or just the time that you're in in your life right now. And um, it's hard to define where it is. Um, and it's sometimes hard to actually understand. Like, so it's hard to understand where it, like where bad mental health comes from. A lot of us kind of end up within it before we actually understand why we're in like a, a bad space with our mental health. So there's a couple of things that you kind of want to understand before you kind of just like there's a lot of things out with your control when it comes to your mental health and there's a lot of things that happen within your like formative years as you grow up that can have a massive effect on your mental health and so things like and again things that I don't I'm not a specialist in by fucking any stretch I'm not a specialist in any of this but things that I don't understand um because I've not maybe been through them or because I've not studied them. This is like, you're looking at an expert to understand this stuff better. So things like childhood abuse, trauma, neglect, social isolation, loneliness, discrimination, racism, social disadvantage, poverty, debt, bereavement, losing someone like long-term chronic stress, a long-term physical health condition, being unemployed, homelessness, poor housing, like being a long-term carer for someone, drug and alcohol misuse, domestic violence, bullying, um, significant trauma, like PTSD, um, like generally like physical causes, so like a head injury or a neurological condition, like such as like, I don't know, like epilepsy or something. Um, these things can have a massive effect on your mental health. And I want to I want to not 
completely like back their stuff off and go, I'm not going to speak about this because I don't know anything about it. Um, but I'm also going to tread very carefully in the fact of if you are someone that's listening to this and you have suffered for something like this, I am not trying to come up with the cure. I am only trying to help find one step forward when it comes to improving your mental health. I'm not trying to, I don't know the the fix for like trauma as a child and um, if you were abused, I don't know how to help someone that has, I don't know how to help someone like that has suffered with racism, for example. That's not what I'm here to do. I am a coach, a personal trainer, and I will stay in my lane as much as I possibly can. But I will also not forget the fact that speaking about mental health in, from my point of view, is also quite important. I'm not just going to leave the topic alone altogether because I think, as I said, I want to bridge the gap for people that have maybe never spoke about it, never thought about it, um, and want to find out a little bit more. <laughs> Ellie's just messaged me. Um, I thought I turned do not. I always try to do this. I try to turn off do not disturb. Um, and she seems to still be able to like hack the computer to be able to get messages. I would expect to FaceTime in about five minutes. So, looking forward to that. Um, one of these questions that comes up quite often is like, are you predisposed to mental health problems? And there's an argument about this. You know, when I don't know if you've ever heard this argument, people say like, oh, your brain chemistry, like the way that it's made up, your genetic makeup is is to do with why you suffer from mental health problems. Now, there's a, there's mixed evidence and there's not much strong evidence when it comes to this. Did a bit of research on this because I've heard people say this before. A lot. Of, some people are just like destined for mental health problems because of the way that their brain works. Now, I think this isn't the case as such. Again, I think much more research is needed, but I think what can predispose you to having to be more likely to have mental health problems is things like like where you're born, your socioeconomic status. Um, like if you there's certain parts of the world that suffer far more than with mental health problems than others. Um, and that's not down to like them as a race. That's down to like, that's not their genetic predis predisposition. That's down to the conditions that surround them, the GDP of the country, like how sunny it is. Like we've seen a lot of statistics around about like warm countries, like not every warm country is like well-developed warm countries where mental health problems aren't as bad. Um, and a lot of that can be down to people being outdoors more and to getting the sun more and just enjoying a more kind of, outdoor lifestyle um i'm trying to think of the program that i watched it was called like the i think it was called blue zones or something like that so it's parts of the world where people live like longer than anywhere anywhere else and they have like really happy lives and it's like up in the mountains in sardinia and in italy or something i think it was and there was a place in japan as well where like people live super long and they have really happy healthy lives and there's not many mental health problems and that's because of the environment that surrounds them. So that can have a massive factor in how you feel. Um, there's obviously there's loads of other things that I could discuss. There's actually like a big, a lot of um, stuff coming out just now that you may have read about, uh, like for women around contraception and how that can, that can cause anxiety going into their, like, like dependent on how long they've used particular kinds of uh, contraception can affect um, levels of anxiety and chance of mental health problems but again this is just like this is just like there is evidence to suggest this but I'm just I'm 
mildly speculating right now. I don't want to go, I don't want to tell you that, like, oh, if you've had the rod, then you're going to have anxiety for the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. Um, and the main thing is, like, mental health problems can be very confusing. Like, there sometimes isn't, like, a, dis- a distinct physical cause for why you're feeling this way and the behaviours that you're the behaviors that you're partaking in, sometimes it can feel very confusing. And um, sometimes you really don't know where they come from. So that's that's why it's hard. The stigma around mental health is another thing that I believe there's like, I think if you imagine two locomotive trains coming from one way and one from the other, and they're both coming to collide with each other. So it's like one, one is a coming in a positive sense. So let me just try and paint a picture for you. So like back in the world war, like your great granddad probably fought in the world war or he was involved with it in some way, maybe even your granddad, depending on how old he is. And these guys were, were made to be resilient, hard as nails. Like they've lived through a war. They've lived through their town getting bombed. They've been in the trenches, literally getting shot at. So that, can make you quite a resilient fucker but also like a lot of our grandparents and that will have had things like ptsd they will have had problems they will have had they will have struggled coming off the back of of war therefore that has this knock-on effect to their kids so your granddad or your dad where they then become they've maybe had a tough upbringing because their granddad or their great-granddad has been like really hard on them and then that's maybe made them a little bit more resilient doesn't mean their mental health was great but it's maybe made them this pretty like hard tough person who's like just get on with it you know keep calm and carry on like that old quote from from the war keep calm and carry on it was plastered over someone you've definitely had that on your facebook at one point we've seen it by the way um i think i've even heard it i had it on my facebook it was like keep calm and fucking do something i can't remember eat eat chocolate hobnobs and drink cups of tea um I think that that actually was the one that I posted. I could probably find it on Facebook right now. Um, sounds like a good model, to be fair. I think everything would be fine if that's just what you did. You'd be you'd be fucking you'd be huge. You'd be about thirty stone, but you'd it would taste good. Um, anyway, tangent. So yeah, we've created this kind of like pretty hard, pretty stern, pretty cold um, generation that's come up, and they've not really the mental health. What's that? The, fucking don't don't be a soft cunt. Like don't just man up like that's essentially you you maybe even your dad's told you that before just man up just fucking get on with it stop being a wimp stop being a pussy stop being a girl like these phrases are drifting away more quicker now than they've ever have and this is like this hard kind of don't speak about mental health just get on with it is drifting away and now this is the locomotive coming in one way but the problem then is this may be getting like quote unquote better. You may not think this is a bit a good thing, by the way, that people aren't being like this, and that's up for that's up for debate. I'm not entirely sure what what's good and what's bad with this one. And then the locomotive you've got coming in the other way is social media, the internet, comparison, um, going on Instagram, seeing a bloke that's 23 with a Ferrari, and you're fucking driving about, and you're your fucking Kia Picanto um, and you're like, fuck, my life is shit. And this is coming the other way and they're colliding. So we're getting softer and we're getting nicer and we're being more open about speaking about mental health, but we're also being exposed to more of these problems and more of these challenges when it comes to comparison, when it comes to the internet. And that's what I believe is having, and a lot of us are just spending more time indoors and less time exercising, less time eating well. And it's just like, there's two they're going to collide and i don't think one's getting better than the other and i don't think it's actually having this positive net effect 
Um, but yeah, look, there is less stigma nowadays around about mental health. There are more people speaking about it on the internet. There are more people offering help. I think more people are talking. However, mental health problems and suicide and like the NHS, not just the NHS, but generally like uh, doctors across the world are, the statistics are showing that there's a sharp increase. Um, and a statistic that I, that I found was pretty shocking is the total number of calls made. It's like, I suppose it's shocking, but it's maybe also good. Um, the total number of calls made to the NHS 24 for mental health concern has risen from around about 20,000 in 2019 to 139,000 in 2022. And that's a sharp increase, like 580% in just three years. Now, is this because the NHS were trying to push this a lot harder during COVID? Um, we are open, you can call us. Or is this because of COVID? Is this because people were sitting at home going, fuck, I need someone to speak to? There are various different reasons that could be attributed to this. I'm not sure what exactly the, the conclusion they came to as to why this was. It's probably a combination of various things, but it just goes to show you, one, more people are struggling with mental health, but two, more people are now wanting help and wanting to speak about it. And it's, it is it's, it's, it is terrible. Like I've, I've seen a lot of stuff over COVID where like the real epidemic is the mental health problem. And I couldn't agree more. Like, fuck, like, I think if we were to go back to the start of COVID, like as a country, as a, as a government, I think they would have handled it a lot differently. I think it would have been fucking night and day from the way that they handled it. It was a shambles, let's be honest. Um, and Oh, the fucking the physical problems that COVID has left people with in terms of the way that they were treated. Anyway, that's a different story, and I've listened to too much Joe Rogan, um, and he is not a reliable source of information. Um, and I do not want to get my podcast like fucking wiped down for misinformation or anything like that. Um, I'm actually not sure you can do on Spotify. I think you can pretty much say whatever you want on Spotify, to be honest. So yeah, what a shambles it was, by the way. Um, and yeah, look, we've got. A prime minister sending billions of pounds to a war in Ukraine when you've got we've got issues at home. I'm not want to be this guy that fucking starts going on about the government, but what is the argument to send over two billion pounds to Ukraine right now? I don't know it. This is why I'm asking. I don't actually know what the argument is, but it fucking it confuses the life out of me. Um, there are problems at home. Like fix them first. Um, Rishi Sunak. Nobody even voted for you, bro. But then again. Who else is going to take charge? It's like picking between, like, I don't, I don't know. It was a way to make a really weird analogy there, but it's like, just it's not good. It's, it's not good. But this is the problem. Contributing factors that may be making things worse. So, like, you maybe understand mental health to a, to a, to a good extent. Um, and obviously, I discussed all the different things before where we talked about trauma, childhood abuse, socioeconomic status, um, where you live, how you were brought up, um, all these different factors um, which can which can contribute to how likely it is that you're going to suffer from mental health problems. But there becomes a point in your young adult life where you may be struggling with mental health problems and you may be doing things to make it fucking worse. Now, this is where I believe um, anecdote, aka like a story from me or from people that I've worked with before can actually now help. But let me just help you understand the three, probably not just three, but three of the biggest problems when it comes to making this shit worse. And you probably know what's coming. Alcohol, drugs, gambling. 
Now, during COVID, off the back of COVID, even before COVID, this was a problem. And as you know, you've probably seen some of the statistics. It is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. People are committing suicide from gambling problems, alcoholism, or getting addicted to drugs. And this is them being this is being kind of like attached to like oh they were struggling with their mental health which they which they no doubt were but these things make it worse these things will make it worse and there are three things that you should limit or avoid if you are struggling with your mental health now the reason that people are drawn towards these is because it gives them this short dose of satisfaction which allows them to oh my god am i recording this i will spew if i'm not sorry i always get this little heart attack midway through that i'm not I'm not recording anyway it's yeah it's a case of like people will go to these things to give them that short sense of satisfaction that little dopamine hit that little bit of time where they just forget about how wrong how bad everything is how bad they're feeling they're struggling with their mental health let me have 10 pints i'm not fucking thinking about my mental health when i'm 10 pints deep and then look, you, you know how this you know how people work you know how young guys and girls work at this age I've been there, I've got the fucking hat, I've got the t-shirt and I've worn it for a couple of years and I'm glad I'm out the back of it because everything in my life has improved off the back of it. Um, and again, it's not about my story, it's just about generally how this works. Now, we know that dopamine response works in a very similar way across these three things, gambling, alcohol and drugs. It It's a reward it's a reward that essentially you get. Now, you can't see the image that's in front of me. Um, but most drugs that you take will target the brain's pleasure center. Now, let's just think about cocaine because it's probably the most commonly used one um, in the country. Um, it essentially, it floods the dopamine, uh, the dopamine, like the dopamine, what am I trying to say? It's transmitters, the the, the essentially your dopamine what's the word i'm looking for here i always have a moment with this in the podcast the the transmitters whatever you want to call them like it's almost like it's like 30 fold in terms of dopamine in comparison say for example you ate a ate a mcdonald's burger now you get a little bit of dopamine that goes through and you go oh god that was good like that mcdonald's i was just needing that that was that was good but then what happens with cocaine is like it floods in at 30 times the speed and just gives you this like incredible high and you feel on top of the world for about 10 minutes. And then what happens is when you when you have a McDonald's burger, there's a little peak and then the peak goes down. And then what happens is like in a couple of days time, you go, oh, you drive past McDonald's and you're like, oh, fuck, I could go a McDonald's burger again. That was good the other day. Or even like five minutes after you've eaten one, you're like, I could go back through the drive-thru and have another one of them. But I'm not going to because it's not as strong. It's not as the dopamine responder transport. I can't find this word that I'm looking for. Oh. Um, anyway, it's not as strong. However, with something like cocaine or something like alcohol, alcohol is not as bad as cocaine when it comes to this response. That happens two minutes later, five minutes later, and then you went, let me get another bump. Let me get another line. Let's go and get another bag in, boys. Um, boys or girls, let's not discriminate. Um, so you keep going back for more. Now, dopamine works in short-term doses, but it also works in la larger-term doses. So you've had a bag at the weekend, you go back to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you go, fuck, I'm done, dying to go out, dying to go out, dying to go out, let me get a bag in. Um, like, again, you're, like, you're just desperate for it because you want that reward. 
you want that reward. Same with gambling. Like you put a bet on, um, you win a bet, you won a hundred pounds, you're like, fuck yes, brilliant. Next weekend, right, I'm gonna put 20 on. Yeah. But and then I've won 200 pounds. Next week, I don't win. Like, fuck, right, I'm gonna put 30 pounds on next weekend. Just because what happens is you want to repeat that feeling over and over again because it alters our brain chemistry away from the usual feeling that we've been feeling. The poor mental health. The reason that people get so attached to these when they're struggling with, you don't even need to be struggling with poor mental health to get addicted to this shit, but you get addicted to the feeling of being drunk, of betting, of being under the influence of drugs, because it takes you away from that normal feeling that you've been feeling, that shitty lifestyle that you've been feeling, that Monday to Friday that you just feel like it's a drag, you go to your bed every single night and you're like, is this fucking it? Like, this is pish, I cannot wait for the weekend to take me away from this shit feeling. And that's probably the most, that's probably the hardest thing. That really is. It's probably the hardest thing to deal with is that you need to get comfortable with that shit feeling, which is hard, which it really is. Now, yeah, as I said, the more we do it, the more reliant we become of it to take us away from these problems that we have. It's, yeah, again, it's important to remember that dopamine works in a way where the more you use it, the more you need it. First, it's one pint, then it's a £10 bet, and it's one bump, and it's a bottle of body, then it's a £100 steak, and it's a bag, so on and so on. And if you repeat this behavior, the dopamine response in your brain changes um, changes the makeup of how you receive pleasure. So you enjoy less and less of your normal life, and you need quick doses of dopamine to make it feel like it's worth living. Now, again, to explain that in a little bit more detail, like the normal things that you used to find pleasurable on a, like, I don't know, walking the dog, for example, listening to some music, eating a fucking yum-yum from the bakers, those things that used to be, like, super-duper pleasurable, and they would, like, for me right now, and this is going to sound really fucking sad, but, like, I, w- I was sitting on Saturday night in my house, and I was just having a, I had a non-alcoholic beer, and it was absolutely shite, so there was nothing pleasurable about that. But Ellie made, like, um, crepes with Nutella and strawberries on them and I honestly felt like I honestly felt like I just had a line of coke I was like this is the fucking best thing I've ever eaten in my life and that's kind of where I get some of my kicks from now and that's fine for me that's enough it sounds weird I know it does but like I actually get a massive kick out of that just like sitting and watching the football and maybe I'm a little bit of a hypocrite right now I'm not saying I've never gambled or never drunk or never never taken drugs but I had a bet on that Man City game at the weekend and I won a decent a decent whack of cash and I probably got that major dopamine hit and that major like, oh fuck, like that was that was crazy. So I'm not saying I'm I'm not I I don't take drugs, haven't done for years, I still drink occasionally, and I still put a ten pound bet on every now and again. So I'm not pretending that I don't do any of this, by the way. I just want to make that uh blatantly clear. Um but what I was trying to say is is that when people have gone too far, they begin to think. I don't like me when I'm not under the influence. I don't like me when I'm not drunk. I don't like me when I'm not taking drugs. I don't like me when I've not got a bet on. So you need you need that in your life. And again, another thing that you could add to this is like binge eating as well. Like it is something that gives you the same kind of similar response. Hence why you will see a whole load of people when they're able to go into rehab and stop taking drugs, they actually end up putting on loads of weight. There's a very common trend that you'll see people that get off drugs will put on heaps of weight because they want to replace that dopamine hit with something else. And they're like, well, I can't use drugs and I shouldn't really be like 
drinking because I know that drinking makes me want to take drugs. So they just scram tons of shit. Like, and that's just, again, don't get me wrong, that's probably better um, than being addicted to drugs, but it is a very common thing that you see because they want to find that pleasure in somewhere else. And this is where a story comes in that I think you can learn from. Um, and I think you can learn. And I think the main thing that I would gather from that is, is like, if you are someone that's suffering with drug abuse, alcohol abuse, gambling addiction, and you're trying to get away from it, that is a, that is a hard thing to, to step away from. And with any habit, sometimes it's important to understand that you don't just have a habit, remove the habit, and then go, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore because you need to fill the gap with something else. That is one of the most important things that I learned through fitness, nutrition, training. Is that if I want to get rid of an old habit that I don't, that doesn't serve me anymore, an addictive habit, I must replace it with something else. Now, let's use this hypothetical person's story, but it is a real person, and the person will probably listen to this story and they'll probably, they'll probably kind of know who I'm talking about. But person A, um, and again, I kind of my story is quite similar in, in terms of how I got away from that lifestyle. Is so person A used to be out every single weekend, like on it pretty much most weekends, either bevying, sniffing gear, like just generally we bet on the football, whatever it was. Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a little bet on the football, by the way. That's that's not what I'm saying. The, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking, but I am saying there's something wrong with 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 taking drugs. Um, not because I am Mr. Fucking like perfect and I'm sitting in my sitting in my high chair right now, judging all of you as taking drugs, that's not who I am. I'm just saying there is a means to an end with it. And if it doesn't end, it ends badly. I'm just going to put that out plain and simple. I don't know anyone who has taken drugs all of their life, all the way up until 50, 60 years old, and anything good has ever come from it. Find me an example. I will wait. There is not one. Cheers. Um, hence why you should fucking stop now. And I'm not saying that to be a prick. I'm just saying that fucking stop as soon as you possibly can. You will have loads more money. You will have better mental health, better physical health. You will not have any problems. Well, I'm not saying you don't have any problems, but you will lower the chance of having various different psychological, physical problems as you grow up into your 30s and 40s. Stop now and stop fucking about. Um, it's not easy, though. I will take that. I will say that. So, person, anecdotal story. Um, he used to be out every single weekend and went through this process of trying to stop. Without actually saying it, I knew that this person was trying to stop and trying to find something else, something else to create that buzz. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. You will wake up. This person would have been waking up probably on a Saturday morning, many of a weekend, and had nothing planned. and was probably thinking in his head, oh, fuck, I'd love to go out this weekend. I'd love to just go... Fucking go watch a, go watch the football, have a few pints, get a bag in, have a wee bet, and that would be fucking class. But had to pull himself, had to hold himself back from doing that because he's like, right, that's not good for me. I desperately want to do it right now, but I know that's not good for me. And there is this period of fighting it. There's this period of discipline. There's this period of having to really fucking keep yourself on a leash, making sure that you don't then do that. Because it's almost like if you if you ruin the streak, it then gets hard, like the streak of not doing it, like it then makes it harder to actually continue on because you're, you're like, oh, I did it two weeks ago. So oh, fuck it, I'll do it again. And something that I heard someone say the other day is, is that 
someone offers you a bag of coke and they were and and you say and you are i don't know how you would describe this like and you go nah nah it's all right the thing that i began to say like when people were maybe offering me something that i didn't want i was like no i don't do that anymore i, I don't do that anymore like indefinitely you don't just say nah not today nah nah don't, i'm not not tonight nah can it tonight can it tonight no you go nah i don't do that anymore because if you say nah not tonight or nah, I don't fancy it tonight, or no, I'm not on it tonight. No, just go. If you want to get off it, you need to start speaking in definites. You need to actually start changing your language because if you change your language, you then change your identity. And your identity is someone that doesn't take it anymore. That's your identity. You do not take it anymore. If you leave it open to interpretation, people are going to ask you again. Make it very clear to the people around you that you don't do that anymore. So that's that's just a kind of like a, a, side, a side note. But this person was then trying to find a buzz somewhere else. And where did he find it? He found it in running. And that was the thing that, that did it for him. He found it in running. So what he would do is wake up on a Saturday morning, we go for a fucking massive run, 20, 30, 40 kilometers. Um, again, he's obviously a very good runner. And off the back of that, that was then that was then his buzz. Now I know it doesn't offer it's not the same. It's not the same to start off with. And you maybe still have that itch that you want to be going out and you want to be smashing 10 pints and all that other sort of stuff. But then go home. He would have a, a night in with his missus, get a pizza, and that was enough for him. Maybe not in the start. And again, I'm speaking hypothetically here because I don't know the ins and outs of how he was feeling. I'm just speaking from an outsider viewing it in the way and going, that's kind of what that looked like. And then funnily enough, one month goes by, two months go by, three months go by, and he's been doing a very similar thing for two or three months. And then eventually it becomes the norm. And then simpler things begin to bring pleasure, those nights in. And I'm not saying you need to be a fucking boring cunt. I'm not saying you don't need to ever go out again and not have a social life. But he begins to find a buzz from other things. Um, and perhaps the addictive tendencies that might have been within him. That's one thing that I think is true is that like a lot of people can have addictive personalities when they get into something, it's hard for them to pull out of it. And they, and they go, well, this is, <laughs> that sounded wrong. Um, but they get addicted to something and then put everything into it, whether that's fucking drinking or it's like running. So I believe this person's addictive committed personality was chucked into things like running the gym um, football, whatever that was. And hence why they then thrive off of this new lifestyle where they don't do that shit anymore. And they really fucking have their head down and they're really doing amazing things. So that's what I'm trying to say is that like, if you want to get rid of those addictions to those old things, you need to find a new buzz. You need to find something that supports your health, something that's a little bit more sustainable, be it football, be it running, be it gymming, be it setting some sort of challenge for yourself. Do not just expect to get over these addictive tendencies which affect your mental health by sitting at home and just sitting there going, oh, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Turn your phone off, turn your phone off, turn your phone off. You're going to get a message from that boy soon and he's going to tell you fucking black Mercedes outside 7.30. Um, see you there. Like, don't just expect to have willpower because willpower is not a reliable source of... Um, it's not It's not a trusted source, let's just say that. Willpower doesn't always serve you. Um I know for a fact I've still got a couple of hotel chocolates um, in the, not the fridge, in the cupboards right now. And I think about them quite a lot. My willpower is going to give in to them eventually and I'm going to just need to eat them until they're gone. So yeah, don't rely on it.
find something else to replace. Um, and the reason that I speak about this in relation to mental health is because running, training, doing something physical for yourself is so much more sustainable. You can do that for the next 50 years. You cannot sniff coke for the next 50 years and expect to not be dead. How we actually fix it? Now, fucking hell, this is a hard one. Um, it's a minefield out there, as I spoke about before. The medicinal route, um, medication, antidepressants, I don't know enough about this shit to comment on it, but if you're someone that has been prescribed antidepressants in the past, if you're someone that has not had success with them, you may have had success. I'm not going to pretend that that doesn't sometimes happen. I would recommend reading a book. I'm going to pull it out from the back here. It is called Lost Connections, Why You're Depressed and How to Find Hope by Johan Hari. Um, if you want a slightly shorter version, he's done heaps of podcasts as well, um, where he just basically speaks about how the traditional way to treat mental health problems is kind of broken. Um, I'm not going to say it's broken because I'm sure loads of people go to their GP and they have had major success and major help um, and are now out the back of their mental health problems through a medicinal approach. However, um, I know for a lot of people, it papers over the cracks. Will you be on antidepressants for the rest of your life? Again, I feel like I can't comment on this. It's a little bit of a, a dodgy one, but I don't think that's... I think that... I don't know. Are you, are you going to be on antidepressants for the rest of your life? I always ask people the question, and then what? 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 And that's a hard question to ask because it then means that you must dedicate a lot of time to fixing the root problem and to actually going to therapy, to actually then looking at your lifestyle, looking at the way that you live, because that in itself tends to be a much, a, it's, it's, that's the thing that's going to help you long-term. It's not being on antidepressants for the rest of your life. There are obviously therapists, counseling, GP, doctors, private clinics, friends and family. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's a minefield and it's not easy one bit. Like you, if you've suffered with poor mental health and you've actually taken the leap to go and see your GP, I've heard various stories. And I, I'm, again, I'm not bamming up GPs or anything like that because a lot of them do amazing work. But I've heard some horror stories um, in terms of people just being like basically batted off or people just essentially just going, there's some antidepressants off your pop. Hope, hope that goes well. When in reality, there is, I don't know, doctors and GPs maybe don't have time to sit down with someone every single week and to go over this and that and to really help break down the whole structure of their life and build them back up because it is not simple. It is really not simple. Um, but yeah, it's hard. So the, the deep rooted issues within are something that have to be addressed. And that's sometimes where that's where a therapist or a counselor needs to come in. And I would say like, be willing to go and do that if you are suffering because the worst thing that can happen is you can go and speak to that therapist you can go and speak to that counselor and maybe it doesn't work but you'll never fucking know if you don't go and ask and you don't go and speak to them like getting stuff off your chest is probably regardless of who it is you could be speaking to a, your dog but getting something off your chest is always going to be that little bit more helpful than keeping it within um, and I think the thing with therapist is that like you, you might, the first one you go to, you might not find the best one. You might not find the person that clicks with you. A lot of the time with a therapist, the success rate is dictated by the relationship you have with that person, by how well you get on with that person. 
not how well you get on because that's not really a really important factor. It's you will you will get on with a therapist. You very really go to one and want to like want to argue with them if you know what I mean. But like sometimes you'll find the right person and it will just click, and that's what will help. But yeah, I've I've so I've got loads of slides left. But I don't want to go on too too long with this one. I think I now just want to speak about how exercise can help, how challenge can help, how going to the gym, how just generally working on yourself can really help. A couple of different points. Exercise in itself. So there's a, a data collected, um, a study that collected data from 1.2 million people concluded that all types of physical activity were associated with reduced mental health symptoms compared with no exercise. We know that exercise creates a chemical response in the brain, which makes us feel better. Like it makes us feel happier for the most part, unless you get stuck under some Bulgarian split squats. That does make it, that makes nobody happy. But you walk out of the gym and you feel fucking good. Like you feel good. There's no doubt about it. I don't think anyone ever left the gym feeling like, oh, fuck, well, I'm sure there's been a few people crush yourself under a bench press and I'm sure you walk out of the gym going, that was shit. But um, most people, 99% of people will walk out of the gym feeling good and feeling like I'm glad I've done that. I have done something for myself. The other thing is self-esteem, like the actual mission that you go on. Self-esteem is like described as having like a sense of self-worth and a positive self-image. And people living with depression and anxiety tend to have lower levels of self-esteem. So like self-esteem is, yeah, essentially just like your sense of like, I'm worthy. And like, I'm, I'm, my image is positive. Does that make sense? Um, Excuse me. Also, like exercising with people, like being amongst people, even if you don't say one word to these people, like being amongst people as a group can be helpful. Like in that book, Lost Connections, that I spoke about, like one of the main contributing factors to poor mental health can be not being part of groups, not being part of a community, not being part of something larger than yourself, like being lonely. Like that is one of the main contributing factors to poor mental health. Like go and I know it's hard sometimes if you're an introvert and you're not that confident and you do have low self-esteem, chucking yourself within a group can be one of the hardest things that you can possibly do. Um, but just being there, being part of something, feeling like feeling like you belong is one of the most important things when it comes to mental health. So if you are listening to this, go and chuck yourself into something, go to a class, go to a club, just do something, do something where you can go and find people that you're like you can familiarize yourself with. Um, self-belief, like having low levels of self-belief, low confidence in your abilities is linked to symptoms of depression and other mental health problems. Um, I read when I was looking through this podcast, a meta-analysis that 20 studies concluded that physical activity helped increase levels of self-belief. Reason being is like you go and do couch to 5K. When you first start it, you're probably like, oh, fuck, I'm never going to be able to run 5K. When you run 5K, you're like, holy fuck, I can do that. Like that in itself builds self-belief in you as a person. If you can run 5K, then what else can you do? You can run 10K. If you can run 10K, what else can you do? I can go and get a new job. I can go to this club. I can go to the gym. And then you build that self-belief within yourself. You then believe that you can overcome your mental health problems. It is it just it is just so true. Like it's something that I harp on about all the time, but exercise and challenge can be one of the, most important missions that you ever go on to benefit your mental health. So a couple of other quick points when it comes to mental health. Um, 
So brain plasticity, so neuroplasticity is a nice fancy word, describes how the networks in your brain adapt and reorganize themselves in response to a stimuli. Um, although it's, it's in its peak in childhood and like neuroplasticity, the way that you view the world, the way that you operate the motor skills that you have um, when you're learning some new stuff and um, that's when you're going to be so you're going to be most highly adaptable when you're in childhood in your teens but you can definitely alter this in adulthood so what that means is like if you're exercising if you're challenging your brain in some way shape or form um, through exercise um, or through like so essentially like exercise can boost the release of these hormones which allow for neuroplasticity so right now you're very like very clouded in this in this headspace where your mental health is terrible and oh everything's shit but if you begin to exercise there is evidence to suggest that like the neuroplasticity of your brain can be altered and if that can be altered then the way that you're viewing your depression and anxiety can be altered and so yeah like exercise can alter the plasticity of your brain and the way that you think. And that is that is a really cool thing. Like the way that you're thinking right now, after 12 weeks of exercise and eating better, you may have altered the way that you're actually thinking through exercise, which is crazy. Um, another thing that is really popular right now in the research and on social media is like inflammation and gut health in relation to mental health. Now, inflammation we kind of understand what inflammation is if we're someone that's like interested in exercise. So inflammation is essentially like, imagine right now I'm imagining my knee. So my knee feels pretty inflamed. It feels like it's, it's, it's swollen. It's tight. It does it's not moving very well because, um, because of, I don't know what I've actually done. I've maybe twisted it or something in the wrong way. Therefore it's inflamed and it's tight. What we'll find as well is, is that if we've had a weekend of eating absolute shite, like we've eaten pizza, we've drank, and we have done a really hard exercise or we've been out dancing all Saturday night, we wake up on a Monday morning feeling like inflamed, feeling a wee bit sore, feeling a little bit like bloated and watery. That can be inflammation. Now, inflammation just off the back of your Saturday night can be a thing, but also like you having a diet which is high in like really fatty foods, which is high in processed carbohydrates, um, ultra processed foods in general can cro- can cause can cause inflammation, um, and that's like inflammation across the whole body. Now, inflammation in relation to gut health is is kind of like almost like the same thing. So, the, your gut, obviously, your microbiome, um, can be affected by the foods that you eat as well. So, just imagine like a garden. Imagine a garden, and imagine all you've got in that garden is potatoes. And it looks pretty dull. It looks not to say there's anything wrong with potatoes, but it looks pretty dull. It looks pretty looks pretty boring. Like that's that's your gut. If all you eat is fried food, chips, um, McDonald's, it's going to be pretty boring. It's going to be pretty dull. It's just going to be like ugh. it's just not going to look very nice. And if it doesn't look very nice, your gut is not happy. But if we have this diet where we've got lots of fruits and veggies, lots of fresh food, like we're cooking. We've got um, different colors of food. We're not eating loads and loads of unhealthy shit. Then that that garden looks like it looks pink and green and red and orange, and it's beautiful. Like the garden looks amazing. Now, the reason that this affects mental health is because 
there is a thing called the gut-brain axis. Now, the gut is attached to the brain through the receptors, which I can't exactly remember what the name of them are, if I'm being honest. Um, I did have it written down on another slide, but I'll, I'll, we'll go with it. Um, so, And also, like a diet that's high in loads of different colors and fruits and veg is anti-inflammatory as well. So your body will have less overall inflammation. Therefore, this connection that's created, it means that you're not going to, like the mental health problems that come from having a bad diet are not going to be as bad. That was a really simple way of saying it there, but it's essentially, there's a lot of relationship between the microbiome and several mood disorders, including depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia. Um, and for example, research has shown that people with depression have altered microbiome compositions, including reduced diversity and increases in particular microbe strains compared with people without depression. So your gut, as someone that is depressed or anxious, will probably look different to someone that doesn't. Therefore, it is going to be a good idea for you to improve your diet, improve your gut health, and then in turn, you may well improve your mental health. Again, just a couple of other quick ones. Sleep. Sleep, we know, is massively linked towards mental health. People with that are getting less than six, five, four hours sleep, sleep when you're dead is not a good quote. Um, you'll be deed when you sleep if you go with that quote. And also sleep lowers inflammation around the body as well. And inflammation is a healthy response to infection and injury, but it can damage your body if it lasts for a long time. Long-term chronic inflammation of the body is not good for you. And if your diet's shit, if you're just eating beige shit all the time and you're not sleeping, you are actually heightening your chance of various things, but also poor mental health. Um. What else we got? Chronic stress that lasts for a long period of time. Again, it goes without saying, if you are super duper stressed out with your job every day of the week and you don't really get much rest, then it is no wonder that your mental health is poor. Um, sunlight, exposure to sunlight is thought to increase the brain's release of a hormone called serotonin. Serotonin is associated with boosting mood and helping a person feel calm and focused. A night, at night, sorry, darker lighting triggers the brain to make another hormone called melatonin. So like we need to be in tune with our circadian rhythm. That is also going to help mental health. Do I have any more slides? I do not have any more slides. And that's that. Um, so I hope through listening to that, you've been able to kind of hopefully understand a little bit how mental health works, how there are certain factors out there which can benefit your mental health that aren't anything to do with the doctors, that aren't anything to do with antidepressants, that aren't anything due to anything down to doing counseling so if you are struggling with your mental health right now obviously seek the support that you can please do it please do it but as i said i know sometimes it can be hard um and improving your nutrition improving your sleep improve the amount of sunlight that you see actually training for something building self-belief in yourself that you can get through it can be one of the best things that you've ever done and the only reason i say that the only reason i truly believe that is not just because of what i've read on the internet is because I have seen over 30 examples of it come into my coaching program. And I'm not saying my coaching program is the cure for mental health before anyone jumps on me for that one. Um, I know it's a touchy subject and it always will be. I'm not saying I have cured mental health through my coaching program. But a lot of those people that came into my program, I didn't know it at the time. There's a lot of these people were, were maybe struggling with their mental health. We, we kind of obviously figured it out and helped these people get support at times. Um, but a lot of these people 
were like, oh God, I don't even know what to do. Let me go and focus on my health. And just like without even maybe knowing it, they've taken themselves through this process of building their mental health back up through fitness, health, nutrition, working on their lifestyle, not drinking as much. You'll notice that I've, I'm speaking about that a lot now is like not drinking as much, but I honestly think it is one of the easiest fixes towards physical and mental health improvements that there will ever be not drinking as much and focusing on yourself, training, eating better and going from there, getting outdoors more. Um, so guys, hopefully, hopefully you got something from that. Um, if I missed the mark with what I was speaking about, I'm sorry. Um, if it kind of triggered you a wee bit and you feel a little bit annoyed about what you've heard, I'm, I'm sure you won't be, but like, and again, that might be a good thing. I'm not sure, but let me know what you thought about the episode. Please drop me a message. It's always massively appreciated to hear what people think of my episodes, good or bad. Um, if you've not rated the podcast yet, please rate it. Um, again, rate it what you want. Um, five stars is nice, but if you don't think it's five stars, then I will not be. I'll not be offended. And by the way, when you rate it, I can't see what you've rated. It, by the way, so feel free to do what you want. Um, or leave a little comment on the episode. Whatever you want to do, share it on your Instagram story. That's always appreciated as well. Like share the podcast. Like even if you've shared it before, even if you know that all your followers have maybe seen the podcast before, please just give it a share. I want more people listening to this shit because I think it's going to make a difference even just a wee difference, even if it's just for one person, the way that I always frame these podcasts is if this can help one person, then it's done its job. If one person listens to this, it's done its job. I don't really care about getting thousands and thousands of listens because I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but I'm going to keep posting them. I'm going to go all the way. Like I have a vision to have like 500 episodes by the time I'm like 40. Like, to be fair, I could probably do more than that, but it's a time-consuming thing, you know, doing a podcast. Like, the research before it takes, like, I don't know, two or three hours. The podcast itself takes one hour. Uploading it takes about half an hour. So it's it's quite a time-consuming thing, but I, I do like doing it. I just really like speaking to myself, if I'm being honest. Like, and this is essentially what I'm doing right now, is literally just speaking to myself. And I also plan to do a 12-hour podcast later on in the year um, for charity. That's going to, if I don't make my 10,000 off the 24-hour charity circuit, I'm going to make a podcast that's going to last 12 hours and I'm going to have a guest every hour for the 12 hours. So that should be fun. And we'll have a sore arse by the end of it. Anyway, catch you after.